The podcast, we were good with the podcast? All right, if you guys are here today and you don't know it, we have a podcast. If you, if you search us out and like us on, on Facebook at Grace Family Worship Center in Excelsior Springs, Missouri, you'll find that we have a podcast there. And there's a link to all the, all the week's messages there. So um, go there and listen to them. If you happen to miss or whatever that day, I'm not, not giving you a license to miss. It doesn't take the place of the local church. If you're listening to us out there in podcast land, get into a local church. Listening on a podcast is great, but it doesn't take the place of the local church. So get into your local church, a good Bible preaching local church, and get involved in it. Don't just go there and sit in the chair, but get involved in that church. So I'm going to be preaching today about meditating, to meditate. And this scripture came from Hezekiah today. He didn't give it to me himself personally, but I was listening to my audio Bible, and, and, I, and I heard something that I've heard several times before, and I don't know if I put it up there or not. Did I give you the scripture in Hezekiah? That's all right. That's all right. In, in, the, in the first part of Hezekiah, um, Isaiah came and just prophesied to, to Hezekiah and said that Isaiah was sick. And Isaiah was the only righteous king that they had in Israel for over 100 years. He was the only one that, who, who was, who was uh, faithful to what God's word said. So um, Isaiah, Isaiah, or Hezekiah had been sick, and Isaiah came to him and said, you're not going to make it through this. The, the word of the Lord is spoken and says that you're going to die. Get the, get the affairs of your house in order. Get your house in order because you're not going to make it through this sickness. Right? So Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, the Bible says. And when I heard that part this time, he turned his face to the wall. I started wondering why. Why did Hezekiah turn his face to the wall when he was given this news from the prophet of God? He's someone he recognized as a prophet of God who'd seen be accurate hundreds of times before this, right? Yeah. Isaiah had, had came and spoken to him, and he was always accurate when he talked to Hezekiah. So he knew what, Hezekiah, or what, what, what Isaiah said was going to be accurate. So I went to different Bible translations, trying to figure out why. I had an idea in my head why. I thought it was to get alone with God, right? To have a, have a time alone with God that he wasn't interrupted by anything or anyone else. So I started reading different Bible translations. I started studying uh, different Bibles out, um, study Bibles out. I, I read in my concordance and, see, and broke down all the words in, in, this, in this scripture what it meant. And I went to last resort always as a commentary, right? What someone else said about it. And I found a commentary of a man who had cancer who turned his face to the wall to get away from what was going on. And it was what I thought it was, what he, he thought it was the same thing that I thought it was. But however, he needed to get alone with God and have no distractions. And what Hezekiah do then? When he got alone with God, he turned his face. He didn't want to face people. He wanted to talk to God. He got alone, and he talked to God. He prayed to God. And before Isaiah got out of the place, God turned him back around and said, Go back in and tell Hezekiah, I'm giving him 15 more years. So this got me thinking. If God gave you 15 more years, what would you do with it? How would you live if God gave you 15 more years? Right? Because I want to bring this to your, to your thinking today. God is giving you today. Every breath that we take is his breath. It's his breath that's in our lungs. We sing that song all the, all the time. So the life that we're living right now, the day that we're living in right now, is a gift from God. Amen. We're fragile beings. The Bible says that we're like a vapor, right? We're here today and gone tomorrow, just like a vapor. We're fragile beings. So we ought to live like, like death is imminent, like death is our ultimate goal. And I'm not talking about trying to get there early. That's not what I'm talking about, but what we're going to do in death, right? Because death is the separation. The definition of death is the separation of something forever, right? So our spirit and our soul, when we die, when we breathe out the last breath, the Bible says Jesus gave up the ghost. When your soul and your spirit come out of your body, when you breathe that last breath out, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? That's what I'm talking about. We need to live like death is our ultimate goal, to make it to be with God, right? When we, when we, when we come out of this body... When we come out of this earth suit that we have, a pastor on the internet I like to listen to calls it his earth suit. When we come out of this earth suit, we need to be preparing to go to heaven. 
and live with God, right? So, so we're not trying to go early, but we're living ready, and we're preparing for death, right? We're training for death. Separation, I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the second death. We are training for that, but, but we, don't have to, we don't have to go through the second death because we're training, we're preparing here today, right? The second death is a separation of us from God forever, right? So, so I'm not, this preparation, this training I'm talking about can't be half-heartedly. It shouldn't be half-heartedly, though we all fall into that sometimes, right? It shouldn't be lukewarm. We shouldn't be training, church, like I've got time. I've got tomorrow, right? And a lot of times we talk about this with the unsaved people. Now, don't walk out the door unsaved and think that you're going to have time and, because you never know when you're going to die. You never know when Jesus is going to step out on the, on the cloud, right? We talk about that all the time. But what about us, the church? What about us who are saying, oh, I'll be more holy tomorrow. I'll be more holy next week. I'll get more spiritual. next. That's going to be my New, Res- New Year's resolution, Pastor. I'm going to get more holy. I'm going to get more spiritual next year. I'm going to develop my spirit more next year. The Bible says Jesus is going to come in the twinkling of an eye. He's going to step out on that cloud. Bam. It's over. That's how much time you're guaranteed right there. That's how much time we're guaranteed. In the twinkling of an eye, it says, turn your life over to him today. I urge you today, turn your life over to him today. Be sold out to Jesus Christ. If you're not happy with your life, try a new life. That's a good catchphrase, right? We should get a sign outside that says that. If you're not happy with your life, try a new one on. That's what we all came to God for anyway, right? We weren't happy with where we were at, so we came to church. Seeing because you saw the people that looked like they had something different, so you came into the house of God, it turns out they do have something different. There is something greater. There's a new life. The Bible says when we're, when we're reborn, we're a brand new being. Brand new creation, he calls us. Right? A new life. So, so I want to ask you this today. What are you here for? What are you here for? Not just in the church. I'm talking about the church. This is a twofold question. I'm talking about the church, and I'm talking about the life that we live here on earth. What are you here for? Well, I can tell you right off the bat, on both of them, church and your life outside of here, you're going to get whatever you put into it, right? You're going to get out of it whatever you put into the to, to church, and you're going to get out of whatever you put into your life, right? So as far as church goes, let's talk about the church first. God places every member in the body as it pleases him, right? The members, that means the people are the church. I've taught this several times to you. The people are the church. This building is not, this brick and this drywall here is not the church, but you're the church. We don't come to the church. We bring the church. We are the church, right? And God places every one of you, if you're called to be in this church and you call me your pastor, right? He's placed every one of us in this church as it pleases who? Not you, but him. Not as it pleases me. I don't pray for for God to fill the seats up. I pray for God to send here who he wants to have here. Right? You need to go to the church where you're called to. Whether it's this one, we'd love to have you here if you're not called somewhere else. But I don't steal sheep. We don't steal sheep here. Are you following me? As it pleases him. Wherever he's placed you at, you go there and get involved in it. So are you taking advantage of the church? Not in a negative way. I'm talking about in a positive way. Are you taking advantage of what the church offers? Right? Are you are you taking advantage of, of everything that you can learn in the church? How, how much you can grow in the church spiritually, I'm talking about. A, a, a calling? Are, are you stepping out in your calling? Has God placed a call on your life? If, he asks, if, if you don't know what your calling is, have you asked him what it is? Have you been seeking God's face for what he wants you to do? What church he want, if you don't know where you're supposed to be at and what church, have you been seeking his face in what church you're supposed to be at? Right? Are you taking advantage of these things that the church, this is what the church is here for, right? This is what I prepare for every week is to try to feed you something and grow you a little further and grow you a little further. That's what God called me to do. That's what my job is. 
I don't do this because I, I want to stand up here in front of you because I am really a shy person and I don't like standing in front of people. Right? I grew up a very shy person. I don't like being, I don't like being in, in the public eye. I don't like the recognition of anything. I don't. I just don't. So are you taking advantage of these things? Are we taking advantage of these things? And then in your, in your in, 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 uh, jobs in the church, and I'm not just talking about cleaning the church. I'm not just talking about cutting the grass. I'm not just talking about pastoring or teaching, teaching a class or whatever the jobs are. I'm not just talking about those things. I'm talking about those things too, physical jobs in the church. We should all have physical jobs in the church, right? It's not up to the pastor to do the whole thing. And Sister Pam to do all the, all, but, but we're beating a dead horse there. We've already talked about that, right? Over and over and over and over again, my wife would say. There's physical jobs in the church, though, but there's also the body, the body that God's called us into. It says he's fitly framed that body together. Maybe he's called you to be the hand. Maybe he's called you to be the foot. Are you following me? Maybe he's called you to be the leg. Have you stepped out into that calling? Are you doing what God's called you? What are you here for? What are you here for? If God's called you into this body, what are you doing with it? Are you taking advantage of that thing? You, that makes sense? Am I presenting that such a way? So life on earth, though, your life that you live outside the church, what are you here for? The first thing that God, you're going to get out what you put into it. First thing he gave me. But he's called you to be in a relationship with him, right? To be in a relationship with God, to be reconciled. Jesus came and died on a cross so that we could all be reconciled because we were sinners. We could all be reconciled to come and be in a relationship with him. An intimate relationship that reciprocates. I give to him, he gives to me. It's back and forth. Every good, healthy relationship reciprocates. Are you following me? So he also says that we're the salt and the light. We're his salt. So what does salt do? In the Bible days, it was used to preserve, right? They just didn't put it on for a little taste. They used it to preserve meat. Different things that they had, they used it to preserve it. Salt didn't preserve things forever, right? But it preserved it for, they kept it for rotten for, for a while. So church, we are to keep the world from rottening for a while. Does that make sense? What are you here for? Are you being the salt to the world? Are you keeping it from rotting? Are you being the light to the world? He calls the salt and the light. Are we allowing his light and his love to shine through me into the world? It's not just up to the pastor. It's up to the church, right? We're all the body. He's called us all here to be fitly framed together. He calls us his ambassadors. What are we here for? Are we, are, are we doing his plan and his purpose for our lives? Ask yourself this. I'm, I'm, I'm still preaching about meditation. I'm going to come back to this stuff, just laying some stuff out here for you. Are we doing his plan and his purpose for our lives? Are we just coasting through? Are we just getting by? If we be honest with ourselves, we all get guilty of coasting through sometimes, and we're all guilty of just getting by sometimes, right? Not usually giving that much thought to it, right? What are we here for, though? Are we squandering the time that God's allotted us today? This day is the day the Lord has made, and he's allowing me to live it. He's putting breath in my lungs. And will I squander this day, even though it's a gift from him? Just like with Hezekiah getting 15 more years, every day is a gift from God. But usually we're more worried about clothes, cheeseburgers, houses, anything besides the plan and will of God, the plan and purpose of God, right? Joshua 1, 5, now we're going to get to the meditation. Joshua 1, 5 through 8 says this. No man shall be able to stand before you. Now, Moses had just died, right? And, and Joshua was taken over for Moses. He was leading about three million people here. Think about the responsibility of that. How would you like to be responsible for three million people today? So no man shall be able to stand before you. This is God talking to him. All the days of, of your life. 
as I was with Moses, so will so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. And seven, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe and do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Hold on right there, sis. That you may prosper. What are you telling him to do? Don't look to the right of the law of what the Bible says. This is the law right here, right? The Bible, God's word. Don't look to the right or don't look to the left. So he's saying, don't look at any other word. Don't look at any other source. There's no other source than you need. The source for everything that you need is right here. That's what he was saying. Don't look anywhere else besides right here in this book. Look right here in this book that he's saying, do the word and you'll prosper. Isn't that what he's saying here? Do the word and you'll prosper. So isn't it strange to connect success with obedience? Do the word of God because most people, he was in, he was in control of three million people. Most people would consider that success. Think about it. A lot of people consider being the leader over three million people. He would have been a very, very rich man, right? The king, basically, he wasn't a king, but basically there was the ruler over three million people. So most people would consider that a success. But, but he says to be obedient, God said to be obedient to the word of God to ensure success, right? So also in verse five, he said, don't let the word of the mouth leave or don't let the word leave from your mouth. And I'm in the wrong verse. Go ahead. Eight says this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Here we go. I had it wrote down wrong, but it shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe it, observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and and then you will have good success. So he's saying, don't stop saying these things. Don't let the word ever stop coming out of your mouth. Right. Meditate on the word day and night. Meditate on it night and day. Right. So success and prosperous. This is prosperity 101 right here. Meditate on the word when you're putting something in yourself and putting something in yourself and you're thinking about it and you're going over and over and over again. What happens? You start to talk about it. Right. With anything. It's not just God's word. It's anything. Are you all going to be slow all day today? Is it me? Am I born you to death or am I right where I need to be at? I know it's one or the other. So somebody just be honest about it and tell me. I'm either boring you or we're right where it needs to be at. So we're going to carry on because it's what God gave me anyway. So God didn't say to to Joshua, spend a little time in the word, did he? He didn't say to Joshua, go ahead and come to church when it's convenient for you. When the chiefs aren't playing, when you ain't got nothing else to do, come on and come to church those days. He didn't say, when you think about it, go ahead and meditate. When it crosses your mind, go ahead and do that. And, And then you'll have good success if you do these things. No, he said meditate day and night. Not just read your Bible, not just study your Bible. Now, it's important to read your Bible. It's important to study your Bible, but that's just the beginning of it. Meditation goes on far past this, right? To meditate means to ponder, to think about, or to imagine. To ponder, to think about, or to imagine. So you read your Bible, then you think about what that means, right? And then you run over it, and 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 you run over it in your head, right? You imagine what the word working in your life would look like. You can imagine what it would look like to be healed, right? You can imagine what it would look like to be prosperous if you think about it and you're meditating on that all the time instead of the problems, right? As we do, the word gets in our heart and causes us to believe, right? And then we do what? We talk about it. And then it comes to pass because it lines up with the word of God. 
When the word is in your heart, it doesn't matter the situation. It doesn't matter what the situation looks like. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what anyone says. Because you believe the word over what you see, over what you feel, and over what you hear, right? Does that make sense? This is, a, this is one area that most people are missing it today, though. I can tell you about my wife. <laughs> I'll try to get a funny look out of her. But we worry about things so many times, don't we? We meditate on the problem instead of on the source. Instead of on, instead of on the solution, we're worried about the problem. We're worried about our issue. We're worried about our lack. We're worried about a sickness. We're worried about other people and what they're going to do. We have no control over what they're going to do anyway. Instead, let's worry about the word. Let's meditate on the word in our life. Right? Matthew 14, 28, and 29. This is where it gets real for me this week. We were in, a, in a, the, the meeting on Wednesday, the, the sectional convention, and the, and the district bishop preached, and he talked about when Peter walked on the water. And I read this story, I can't even tell you how many times. Heard this story, heard it preached about. Um, very familiar with the story, but you ever read something in the Word of God or hear something in the Word of God and it just jumps out and it's brand, to you, brand new to you again? Right? And it caused me to meditate on the word come. Right here, let's, let's read this. And Peter answered him and saying, Lord, for you that don't know the story, Jesus had sent his disciples out, into, out in a ship in the sea, right? And, and a hurricane came up, and some speculate whether it, it, they knew it was going to come up or whether, because the, the way the wording is worded, he made them go out there. But some speculate whether they knew it was coming or whether it was a surprise to them. However, it happened, a hurricane come up while they were on the ocean, and Jesus comes walking out on the water, right? And they thought there was a ghost came out. They thought there was a boat coming out there, and they, they were all afraid. So, and Peter answered him. Him is capitalized there, so it's Jesus. And Peter answered Jesus and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Command me to walk out there and meet up with you, God, if it's really you walking out there. Right? Because he told him, don't be afraid, it's I. And 29 says this. So he, Jesus, so Jesus said, Come. One word, just a simple, this spoke to me so much right here, this one word. Maybe you'll catch it. I hope you catch it. But he just said, come, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to, to Jesus. So he was, this, this word here, come, is so multifaceted. I saw it in so many different ways this week after I had started to meditate on this word and I prayed about this word and I talked to, to God about this word, come. Seems like such a simple little four-letter word, right? Come. And it means to get down out of the boat and walk to him on the water. That's pretty easy to see that part. But when you get into it a little more, if you really meditate on this word, it means to get out of the boat, right? Face value. It says it right here in the the scripture. But to walk to Jesus, to walk with Jesus. Think about that. God was calling Peter to come out of that boat and walk with him in a relationship with Jesus. Think about that. He's calling us all the time. But Peter asked him to call him. Church, we should be seeking out our calling. We should be looking for a calling. What is it that you would have me to do today, God? Not everybody's going to preach. Not everybody's going to teach. But everybody can do something, right? There's, there's the ministry of help. So, so it means to come out and walk with Jesus both physically and spiritually. He was inviting Peter to come out and walk with him. So step out onto the water. Step out into the call. He was stepping out into the call that Jesus had called him out to, come, to go for a walk with him. Now think about this right here. Didn't catch this till this time either. There was a hurricane going on. When God calls you out into a calling and you step out into that call, guess what's going to happen? Storms are going to happen. I didn't see this before this time, but storms are going to happen when you step out into that call. This word come right here seems so simple, but when you met, it doesn't have to be a lot of scripture, folks. 
It doesn't have to be chapters. It doesn't have to be verses. It doesn't have to be whole books that we read. Just meditate on a little bit of God's word at a time and letting that bake and letting that sink in and, and asking him for that, right? So the Lord invited me and asked me, but he was asking him for, he was asking him for his call though, right? So a call is, doesn't have to be preached like I said, but a call is how God wants to use you. God wants to use each and every, he didn't just call you to save you so that you can go to heaven just to avoid hell. He called you because he wants to use you. He wants to have a relationship with you, but he wants to use each and every one of us. And God will use you differently than he uses me because we're different people, right? So, so this week, I took those two verses, and I told you it doesn't have to be a, a, a big amount. It's just, it was two verses for me this week. In the last four days, it's been two verses I've just been stuck on. And God really ministered to me in that, right? So, so you, to meditate, though, means just to take that little bit of scripture that's, that hits you right in the head or right in the heart, take that little bit right there and talk to about God about it. When? Not when you think about it, right? Or not when, not when you got time or when it's convenient, but talk to him day, talk to him night about it. He'll give you some revelation, talk to him some more. Write that, rev- I gave you notebooks here not very long ago, right? And I said, write down verses in the front, write down revelation that God gives you in the back of it. Go back, because you'll forget it. I forget the revelation God gives me all the time. Write it down. Write it down so that we can come back to it. It's not going to come in one day. Folks, we've got to train ourselves to do this. We've got to train ourselves to meditate on God's word. And it's not going to come in one day, right? It's not going to happen in one day. But we do have to start one day. We can't continue to put it off. So why not today? Why not start training ourselves to meditate on God's word today? Take one of these verses you get in here. Take a verse that God's laid on your heart, whatever it is. They're all good. It's God's word. Take a verse. Take two verses. How much ever you can handle, whatever you're mature enough to handle. Take that word, though, and just think about it. Read it over again. Read it in another translation. Read it in a study Bible. You get what I'm saying? Look, Google it. Get the definition of it. Read about it. Ask God to show you what it means. He'll give you so much more than I could ever teach you. The Holy Ghost can teach you more in a few seconds than I could teach you in a few years. So most, are think, most of us, though, have our minds trained to think about and ponder about fear and worry instead of God's way, Right? Yes, that's me, Pastor. I worry and I have fear and I have anxiety all the time. They, they overcome me a lot of days. I don't take control of them. So, so, so you might say, Pastor, I don't have time to meditate. I hear what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. I see it's biblical. It's right there on the wall. He told Joshua to do it, and God's no respecter of person, so he must have been talking to me too. But I just don't have time to do that. You have no idea how busy I am. And I work, and I've got seven kids, and I do all this stuff. When would I have time to meditate? Let me ask you this. You ponder on worry, don't you? You worry about your worry, don't you? You meditate on your worry, right? We, not you. We meditate on our worry, right? So if you, let me just give you a scenario. If you get up in the morning and you have a problem, right? You get up in the morning as you're getting around get, with your busy schedule, getting up, getting up and getting around, getting ready to go to work, you worry about that problem. Yes? You get out and go get in your car, and on your drive to work, you're thinking about that problem. You're worried about that problem. When you're in work, you're thinking about that problem. While you're doing your job, you're thinking about that problem. Most of us, when we think about something, when we meditate on something that long, what do you do? You talk. Your mouth opens up. Your, bumps, your, your gums start bumping together, and words come out. And your faith, where's your faith at? Since you've been meditating on this problem all day long, your faith is in that problem. And then you combine it with your words, and it comes out. How's your authority work? 
Faith and your words, your authority works, right? Isn't this what, isn't this what, what the Satan did to Adam and Eve in the garden? Use their authority against them? He couldn't take it from them. He had, to, he, had to, he had to deceive them into it. It's the same thing he's doing to us this day, right? So we should spend this energy on the word. This energy that we're using, pondering, worry and fear and doubt and all the things that we have, we should spend that energy on the word. Down to two pages. I'm going to get you out of here in time for the Chiefs game to start. But, but we've allowed worldly things and, and, and frustrations and cares and lack and fear. We've allowed these things to have dominion over us. We've allowed these things to run our life instead of ruling over them, right? We have authority over everything with a name. Jesus Christ says we have authority over everything with a name. The problem is, though, we focus 99% of our time on this worldly things, on the frustrations, on the cares, on the lack, on the fear, on the doubt. We put 99% of our time on that, right? And we give 1% of our time to God and his word. You're in here for two hours on Sunday morning, a little bit on Wednesday. Some people, some of you... That's all you're getting. 1% of our time we're giving to God. 99% in his word. 99% of the time we're meditating on the, on the problem. You see a problem with this? That's not what God told Joshua to do, is it? Those directions were directly from God himself. He said, meditate on my words day and night that you may prosper. Isn't that what it said? That's what it said. That's not what he told Joshua. He said, meditate on his word day and night. So Romans 12 I'm going to read two, and then I'm going to go back to verse one. Last scripture here, and I'm going to get you out of here, okay? So Romans 12, two, right? Let's read this first. And, and do not be conformed to this world. So don't be conformed to this world. Don't be like this world. Don't look like this world. Don't act like this world, right? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Transformed, that means a total change, right? Isn't that what he talked about when we were reborn? A brand new creation, when you're reborn, you're a brand new creation unto God. So be ye transformed, made a brand new creation by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? Oh, come on. You meditate. You meditate on the word instead of on the problem. Faith comes by, what's the Bible say? Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. Who controls what you hear? Who controls what goes into your eyes and your ears? We do. We do. So we, can, we, can, we renew our mind through the meditation of God's word that you may prove. That word right there, prove, means what? To discern, right? Prove or discern what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How will you know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God if you're not in his word? God wrote us this big letter right here, a big love letter to us to tell us how to live, how to act, where to go, what to do, what not to do, how to treat other people. How to treat him. How to be in a relationship with him. Wouldn't we be foolish not to read it when it's our source for everything? So how would we know what his perfect will is if we don't know what his word is? If we're not busy being in his word, meditating on his word day and night? Because we can read over it one time. No one can ever take everything there. You can't exhaust the word of God. You can't take everything out of there as a take. When you've read it and read it and read it and read it, read it again. Then pray to God and ask him to show you what he wants to see. Meditate on this word is what I'm talking to you about today, church. And verse 1 says this. <clears throat> I beseech you, therefore, brethren, this is Paul. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, present your, your, your bodies a living sacrifice, a sacrifice to God, right? Our bodies a sacrifice, holy and acceptable to, to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, leave this up for a second. Because I want to I dissect this just a little bit here before we go. 
And I'm on my last page, so we're still going to be on time. It's all right. It's all right. So your bodies is a, is a reasonable sacrifice. This is your holy and acceptable that we'll, what you're going to do for God, right? What's, what's holy and acceptable? Your reasonable service. Here's the part I want to talk about right here. Your reasonable service. What is your reasonable service? To present your bodies as a holy sacrifice, right? As a holy, so, so sacrifice the things that you want to worry about and the things that you want to spend your time on, the problems, right? That's what we've, that's what we've been trained to do. Sacrifice those things and what the body wants to do, what the flesh wants. Does that make sense to you? Because we're going to listen to our spirit or we're going to listen to the body and the natural things. And our soul is the chooser. He's right in the middle of them. So sacrifice that body and become more spiritual is what he's saying here, right? That's our reasonable service. You see, here's where we get it mixed up, though. We serve him. We need to serve him. That's our reasonable service is to serve him, God, to serve God. See, we have it backwards so many times, and we want him to serve us. We come to church with our whole laundry list of things we want God to do for us. Are you following me? We give him the last of our time. We're giving him 1%. I saw a lot of head shaking when I said we're giving 99% of the thought of the world and 1% to God. You all were saying, yes, yes, we agree. We are doing that. Isn't that asking God to serve me instead of me serving him? We've got this backwards, church. We've got to serve God. We've got to get back to serving God. He's God Almighty. He created us. He made us out of a lump of dirt, breathed life into us, and muscles and tendons and bones formed, and a man got up and walked off. Are you following me? He created us. How can we expect him to serve us? We have to serve him. We've got it backwards, and we wonder why it won't work. We've got it backwards, and we wonder why our authority's not working. We wonder why we have anxiety. We wonder why we're, we have lack and doubt and unbelief and sickness and disease. When we're wanting God... We're wanting God to, to, to serve us. God's word is infallible, and it works 100% of the time if we work it. But we have to meditate on that word. We've got to get it down inside of our hearts. Are you following me? We've got to get it inside of us. We've got to give him more than that 1%. More than that 1%. God deserves more than that. He deserves to have us serve him. Can I get every head bowed this time? Brother Stephan, you want to dismiss us in prayer?